0: Welcome to the on premise it podcast, the only podcast that dares to be both on topic and on location. My name is Tom Hollingsworth and I'm a part of Gestalt IT and each episode we bring you the opinions and perspectives of a group of IT luminaries on a variety of subjects. We pick one though a premise to stick to for the episode so that you kind of understand where we're coming from. Before we jump into the topic the premise for today's episode, I would like to have each of our guests introduce themselves so you know who they are starting with foster
1: My name is Landon Foster. I think most people have seen me as at Ace High Wi Fi on Twitter. Uh, I do quite a bit of freelancing. I also do a fair bit of government work. I'm known for uh, probably more strong opinions than I need to need to have
2: all good Mark. I'm Mark Houts. I'm a network engineer uh, for a bunch of school districts and different places. But I'm kind of just starting, people are starting to get to know me because of my blog, MarkHouts.com. Um, and my handle, Twitter handle is at Marco underscore with underscore A with underscore K. Kind of not a great handle, but that's me doing CBRS and Wi-Fi.
3: So Ali? Uh, my full name is Muhammad Ali. I go by Ali, however. Um, everyone knows me on Twitter as uh, M-A-L-I-E-F-46. geeky um, name, uh, handle, I guess I should say. Uh, I work as a solutions architect for um, for Avar. Um, they're based out. Of, they're based in Tampa. Uh, I've been doing wireless uh, for about five years or so. Um, yeah, I've uh, also started to work into CBRS and um, field. Uh, also, uh, I follow Mark actually in his blog. Uh, love it. Uh, so that's, that's me. Awesome. May?
4: So um, my name is Manol Uh You may know me as May. Um, my Twitter handle is at May149. I am a wireless specialist for a uh, French speaking university up here in Canada. And uh, I also happen to be a co-admin of the Wi-Fi Pro Slack group. So that's me.
5: And Lee. Hey there, I'm Lee Badman. I'm in my 25th year with a large private university in the Northeast. Job title is IT architect. Uh, Most of my day is filled with Wi-Fi. on the side, I have my own uh, private consulting thing going on. Do a lot of writing out in the industry and I'm on Twitter at WiredNot.
0: Right, well, thank you all for joining us today. Let's jump into the premise of the episode. As you can tell, we have a lot of wireless experts on this uh, podcast recording. So we wanted to talk about something that is top of mind in the wireless industry and that's, uh, that's hardware. Because everybody loves hardware, right? We want to get the newest, best, shiniest things around. And I know that as I'm looking at what I'm going to be deploying very soon, I have a lot of choices. I mean, there's Wi-Fi 6 access points that have been out for a while. A lot of the companies are trying to tell me that I need to deploy Wi-Fi 6E. And, you know, it's very, very compelling because I know that Wi-Fi 6E is the future. But what I don't have right now is a Wi-Fi 6E client. So maybe I can hold off on that. Maybe I should even be looking for something even further down the road. Which brings us to the premise for today's episode. You don't need Wi-Fi 6E today. Now I know that you're already reaching for your keyboards to leave a very, very pointed comment on that, but let's go ahead and open the floor up because I know that the panel actually has a difference of opinion on this. So let's start with those that think we don't need Wi-Fi 6E today. Who wants to convince the audience that that is the case?
1: All right. So you don't need Wi-Fi 6E today. Fair enough. Mainly because I don't think the vendors are ready. Uh, And it's not necessarily even on the hardware side, right? There is an argument to be made there for supply chain chipsets in particular really being backed up. I've seen with some vendors who I'll leave unnamed here up to a 19-month wait for regular APs much less the newer stuff. That said, I think really on the driver's side with maybe one or two exceptions, it's just not ready. If you can't utilize most of AX's or Wi-Fi 6 features, that why would you spend the money on it? Why not save you know, $500 to a grand? Until, like, I have a red line for this one. And it's until we can start using an RU resolution that lets us speak to at least four clients at the same time, bi-directionally, I am not going to advise anyone to invest in the X. So right now, Ruckus and maybe Aruba, I haven't done the testing on Aruba myself are the only ones who are even at that line. And I haven't seen anything lower than it.
5: So for what it's worth, um, that word need is kind of interesting. Um, I would argue that we don't even need 11AC, but it's here and, you know, Wi-Fi 6 is here and uh, 6E is also here, you know, whether we accept it or not. I think the size of your environment really has a lot to do with, you know, that whole notion of need, right? Sooner or later, you have to do lifecycle refreshes. Um, you know, I, I do both sides of it. I do the, um, you know, providing of the system. I'm also an end user. From the end user perspective, I look at a, my largest environment with, you know, thousands of APs and the budgeting that we have in place to do these upgrades. We can't do it all at once. We're looking at, you know, four to five years We're starting with 6E now, knowing full well that we don't, you know, quote unquote, need it, but we do need to replace our old APs. And the last thing we want to do is three years down the road be saying, okay, the thing that we just put in, oh, geez, we got to replace it again. Now, if we were a small environment with dozens of APs or even hundreds where, you know, you're not looking at that uh, order of magnitude of, you know, what it takes to make a change. I would probably feel different about it but you know the the notion of need you know need is defined differently for different people but again go back to the wireless client side of life i think if we were all running 11n wireless networks we'd probably still be okay but that's a that's a whole different discussion
0: one question i want to ask lee just to clarify you you mentioned size and you referenced the number of access points does that calculation change at all if, you, if the size changes to the amount of coverage that you have, or the number of clients that you have? Does that change the calculation as to whether or not you should be using 6E?
5: Oh, certainly. Um, Not so much the area of coverage. Um, You know, power is power and all of that. The new spectrum is interesting, but that doesn't really, I don't think, unless you're thinking of something different, but, you know, area covered, I don't think it really matters. Certainly, if you're if you're going to get a huge um, suddenly you know ridiculous client density from somewhere, uh, yeah, 6e gets even more interesting, and it won't be long before those clients come. I'm not a big believer in you know um, getting too far ahead of what the clients are, but they have to come. It's just what history tells us. So I'm I'm expecting to see clients, but I also having a hard time struggling with um, you know, what kind of environment to answer your question would suddenly have gobs and gobs and gobs Uh of new clients, but maybe there are situations, but should that happen? Yes, absolutely. 60 is, um, you know, in my opinion, um, that much more compelling.
3: Some excellent points right there, Lee. Um, One of the clients, yeah, they will come, um, but I think it also depends on um, the different environments, uh, in my opinion. Uh, there are environments, especially environments that will allow a lot of BYOD, uh, will probably will start seeing 6E clients in there uh, much faster as compared to more controlled environments. Uh, for example, <clears throat> could be a bank or industrial environments, um, even a lot of enterprises, right? Where, especially if they have just done a refresh on the clients, they probably will not be getting 6E clients like soon enough. Uh, so in that case, paying for an access point that um, is, for example, two thousand dollars versus if they can get away with an access point right now, <clears throat> that is around thousand dollars or twelve hundred dollars. I mean that can add up if you're replacing a lot of access points, um, a lot of uh, so a lot of clients that I deal with normally their refresh cycle we're talking like three to five years on the wireless side and. Um, so that kind of comes into play also on the switching side, they would have like a longer refresh cycle. So, um, it could be like, Hey, let's just get like switches that are, that can support 6E going on forward, because it's going to take you longer to actually replace those switches. But on the wireless side, you don't need to spend all that money instead divert those funds towards getting a better switch and then get your access points that, you know, are cheaper. So you do not have to pay for something that you're not going to be using for next three, four years possibly, uh, especially in a controlled environment. Uh, Now, I just want to kind of throw something in there. Um, There there could be, so there's two things that I can think of in there on the 6E side, if they're because the supply chain issues, uh, there's situations where somebody needs access points right away and a vendor can give a good deal to that customer to get 6E access points and can get the 6E access points faster than Um, you know, let's just say just Wi-Fi six access points. Sure. Yeah. In that case, I can probably see a customer going that route. Uh, The second thing that I kind of want to mention is, is this new company that we've heard of Nile, uh, Nile Secure. Uh, They have a consumption-based model. And from what my understanding is like, they're based on SLAs and they offer free refresh. So customer can start with, for example, a six E access point or a six access point. I'm not sure exactly where they are uh, on that, but Three years from now, when the time comes where they have more clients that are 6E clients, well, they will actually pay to replace that. I mean, sounds pretty cool to me. I don't know all the intricate details just yet, but uh, just something I wanted to mention right there.
0: So we've heard a lot of reasons why you shouldn't use Wi-Fi 6E today, why you don't need it. What would be the counterpoint argument? Why would I want to? Why would I want to make that investment today because one of the things that a lot of companies have been telling me is is that I need to do this to be future-proof. But yet when I ask the important question of, well, which clients can use the 6E radios today? I get a lot of these emojis. So why would I want to do it?
4: The point of doing it today uh, for me is very much a business side of things. Right now I can't argue for the client side of things, one thing I can tell you is that you know i I did some research when I completed my degree, uh, I completed my degree recently, and I did some research on how long it would take to get the clients to have enough clients to have a mass of clients, actually uh, uh, for for six to be interesting uh, because well, this research was done a couple of years back. and it was it was uh, apparently, they were expecting that Wi-Fi 5 clients would be seventy percent of the devices that are available in uh, 2023. So that's that's in in six months' time uh, now, and we're just talking about Wi-Fi 5. So we really can't uh, bank on the on the clients per se, but uh, if you have uh, large rollouts, if you have uh, policies in place like we do. I, I, my university, unlike Lee, is publicly funded. Uh, we have to make sure that our APs are covered by uh, service contracts that are, uh, you know, we, that have the full the full warranty and everything. Then you've got your point of getting the latest and greatest. Uh, and especially in, 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 in the prospect of they are readily available and you're gonna get them faster. Then you could get any Wi-Fi six or five device. In a, in a large world, I mean, I mean, we're headed to success maybe: so.
2: The thing that comes down to is requirements. Um, do you have applications that need the benefits that 6E brings? Um, with, with CBRS, I asked the same thing: Do we have a requirement for this use case? And right now there are some applications that do need it. Um, we'll benefit from the clean spectrum, we'll benefit from the lower latencies and different things like that, that you don't have because of the legacy Wi-Fi um, um, that are, that are in the, on the spectrum. Because of those legacies, that can cause issues. This is clean spectrum. If you have an application that is struggling on the existing technologies, 6E is an absolutely perfect reason to bring to migrate to 6E.
1: Yeah, one thing I kind of wanted to insert here, and I'll keep it brief, is a lot of customers need to be educated about what 6 and 6E is because a lot of them see it like the jump from N to AC, where it's primarily throughput. That's just simply not the case. Yeah, you'll have more capable clients, but we're not going to be seeing eight by eight clients, excuse me, eight by eight by eight clients. It's just simply not there without a very special use case. And HE is there for high efficiency. So if you're talking about, say, Dallas Cowboys Stadium, yes, 6E and 6E right now, as quickly as you can, because you're looking at massive BYOD, which means you're going to have more current clients. Uh, and, you know, kind of case in point, one of my clients uh, that I worked on yesterday, their environment is 80% Wi-Fi 6. That's amazing. That is by far the highest I've ever seen. And you know what? They're all sales guys. Every one of them. So they all have new MacBooks and they all have new, funny enough, Android phones. Because it turns out the new iPhone isn't playing nice. Uh, but but that that was astounding and having their history being able to see the utilization both in 2.4 and 5 right because they're not really they're not really hopping over to 6 as often as I'd like it's it's a heck of a change you know they have 200 clients in there on really an area supported by four APs which would be absolute nonsense in most deployments but it's working and their utilization is consistently 30 to 40% higher than I would like but It's working, and that's the important thing.
0: And I think you actually bring up a really important point there, Foster, is this idea that in order for us to be able to justify to use these new exciting APs, we need to have clients that can take advantage of them. Obviously, um, one of the issues we ran into with Wi-Fi 5 was that it was only available for devices with a five gigahertz radio. And then when uh, Wi-Fi 6, 802.11ax came out, we were saying, oh, no, 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 you'll see improvements even with older radios in in the way that the clients can communicate, but we also run into that problem where you you mentioned like the iPhone 14 that was released um, does not have a Wi Fi 6E radio in it. Uh, some people were expecting it to. The Google Pixel 6A does, but the Google Pixel 6A Wi Fi 6E radio is not 4x4x4. It's not taking full advantage of that spectrum. Anyone who uses one will not see gigabit Wi Fi transfer speeds. So is this a problem where we're pushing the technology out there as far and fast as we can, knowing that the most advanced users of it will not be able to see the kinds of improvements that we would expect? I mean, I even wrote an article about how the new MacBook Wi-Fi cards are 100 megabits per second slower than the old ones. And people are all outraged by the fact that the card's slower, but yet when you look at it, the reason why is because it's using a different setup and could expand further in the future to take advantage of more access points. But all people care about is that throughput number down there on the bottom, not, you know, um, transmission quality or distance to the AP or the fact that they don't have to contend with noisy 2.4 gigahertz neighbors everywhere so what 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 how do we correct that issue when it comes to users
5: um, if i could take a wag at that i don't think you're going to because it's wireless and this is just the hype cycle for to me it's just the hype cycle for any new wireless standard 11n you know you, you go back and i don't know if any 11n hardware ever got the 4x4 but in marketing it sure did and in all the You know, the technical journalists, they were touting how great it would do and all of the, you know, the optional stuff, assuming it was all going to be turned on, everything was going to be four by four. And these are the throughputs you're going to get out of just pure ignorance, because that's what the standard promises, And that didn't change with 11 AC. Everything is just overhyped to the gills. Um, So I don't I don't think there's any changing what you're talking about, Tom. As a very quick aside from the customer perspective, another reason to do, and I don't want to take away from your question, but I just don't want to lose this either. Another reason to do um, 6E, if you're tired of your incumbent vendor, if you're a customer, especially a big customer, what a great time to do an RFP. Maybe you're just tired of, you know, controllers maybe it's time to go to the cloud maybe maybe there's something going on that you've just had enough of 60 is just a great juncture because with it usually comes new stuff on the back side and if all of your ducks line up where you're just ready for a big change 60 is just a like i say a wonderful juncture to, to maybe throw an rfp out there and, and make some big changes but um, not really you know part of the mainstream wireless discussion. It's more of a business decision or whatever, but you know it really needs to be uh, mentioned. But anyhow, I took away from what you were asking. Let me see if anybody else has any thoughts on it.
4: I was actually going to concur with you, Lee, that that's exactly what we just did. Because there are requirements that come with 6E that must be met, and most of the wired infrastructure um, might not be ready for that. So if you're putting out a big, big RFP that replaces everything, there's no point, uh, if you want to future proof your deployment, there's no point in not going 60 and not getting the infrastructure ready.
3: Exactly what you said, you and Lisa, right? It's a business decision. And then obviously budget plays a role in there too, right? Um, back to you know it, what I was saying, um, it, if it's a controlled environment and the budget is not there, um, or, um, somebody just did a switch refresh, for example. Um, and for example, they just did not get like switches that can support, um, it, you know, it, uh, the BT power, uh, POE plus plus and all that, which a lot of these access points do require. Well, in that case, um, well now they, they, they're getting access point. They're paying so much for it. They cannot use it. And in order for them to eventually then use it now they have to, look into doing a refresh of those switches too right so so some of that kind of plays in the uh, part in there too um i think saving that money and and using that and, and diverting those funds towards either your switching infrastructure or your clients probably uh would make more sense i mean that's that's my opinion in that case right instead of trying to focus on getting a 6e access point um but if you have a budget or you want to do an RFP and uh, vendor can give you a sweet deal on on possibly getting 60 access points so sure i can see in that case you know seeing that, i can see that happen one more place i can see it in a, a good use case is um is homes uh where people don't want to run wiring and uh so i was just recently doing uh, doing this discussion and and uh th- looking for a mesh system so if you can do a mesh on 6 uh, on six E um, and then you actually serve clients on five gig uh, that actually is a pretty good use case if, if that is something that we are able to do
1: I'm actually running something with that right now uh, our overhead point points are in six which usually you know you don't want to use the uh, the higher frequencies for your point-to-points as a matter of general practice there's you know put a quarter in the jar it depends but um, that's what I'm doing right now it's worked out really really well we're not even running 2.4. We've disabled it on all of our APs. So six overhead, five client serving, and since we have six both ways, you know, two different channels, one for up, one for down, all synced. No contention, no extra contention, and we're not running into the uh, aggressive bandwidth having.
0: So let me bring this up as a possible point of contention when it comes to whether or not you need Wi-Fi 6E. And that is some of the questions that exist around the legality of operating devices in that spectrum band. Now, you're probably saying to yourself, wait a minute, didn't the FCC go ahead and approve this already? Yes, they did. However, there are some industry organizations that are calling this into question and practically begging the FCC to take a look at it. Uh, Unsurprisingly, those industry organizations consist of people who were operating equipment in the existing six gigahertz band already. And to my point, as I recorded in a conversations episode recently, um, we went from, oh, well, there might be some crosstalk interference at certain ranges to, oh my God, it's going to shut down emergency radios and it's going to make people get hurt and loss of life and property. And I feel like there's a lot of fear mongering going on but what would happen if that succeeds and you've purchased a Wi-Fi 6EAP that you are now no longer allowed to operate because the FCC is taking another look at it? How do we work around those issues?
1: I think I, if the industry was taking it more seriously, we would see the same thing we saw with Uni2 bands. I, I just simply don't think that the big players who have horrendous legal departments are super concerned, which kind of trickles down to me, right? Uh, If they're not concerned, I'm not going to be overly concerned, simply because with 2E, or I'm sorry, Uni2, we saw people just straight up not allowing the bands, not even in drivers, the chipsets would not switch to them. We're still seeing the impacts of that today. I still can't use all of Uni2 because clients won't do it, regardless of if we've hit a DFS in the past, you know, year. So I'm not worried about it, not until grabbing a person at random, Cisco Legal is worried about it.
5: I think a lot of what you're talking about too, Tom, on that, you know, what if scenario, I think is for outdoor APs more than indoor, I I would imagine. I also know that a lot of vendors are struggling to come up with an outdoor AP, at least that I'm seeing in, you know, 6E. So um, for me, you know, as an end user, when I put on my end user hat, you know, I do have a lot of outdoor APs, but the benefits of 6E outdoors—I don't know if I really care so much. You know, outdoor spaces tend not to have the same—they—they they tend to have different requirements. LPV is a whole different world. Um, but if the FCC to get to where I'm struggling to get to to answer you, if the F- FCC were to say, "Hey, we're not doing 6E outdoors anymore." I don't know if I would care. Indoors, I don't think it's ever going to be something that they would pull back ever in a million years. I don't think it's going to happen outdoors either. Um, But, you know, for conversation's sake, if you leave that opportunity, if you leave that possibility on the table, I don't know if I would care if they took it away outdoors myself.
4: The FCC and uh, IZED up here have all agreed that they were allowing us. Uh, to use all this spectrum. But uh, there are, I think there are up to 47 countries that have accepted some part of the new spectrum offering, uh, whether it's full or partial. But, you know, we were talking about clients uh, earlier on. I mean, what does this mean for the device manufacturer? I mean, you know, your Intel or, or whomever, Uh, I mean, you have to manufacture a, a, a laptop or a NIC and you have to think of all the exceptions and all the commas and semicolons and all of that along the way before you manufacture them. That could maybe complicate things.
0: Well, as you can tell from all of this discussion, there's a lot of load put on the word need. Do you have an application that you can use Wi-Fi 64 for today? If so, then the answer is easy. Buy it. Is it a case where you can get those parts today versus getting the ones you wanted, which are backordered? That makes it a little bit more of an interesting discussion. Lastly, are you waiting for the clients to show up on your doorstep before you deploy it? possibly catching it in a different refresh cycle or are you wanting to get in front of it so that when your executive shows up with a brand new laptop at the end of the year that he got for Christmas that it'll be able to get onto the Wi-Fi network that's a little bit more of a um, judgment call but the key is is that you need to evaluate your technology choices you need to know what your users are requiring versus requesting and make the best sound financial decision you can And if that means that maybe you have to wait and support the hot new technology a year and a half down the road, then that's what you have to do. And I know that you will make the best decision for you instead of letting the people who make the equipment talk you into getting something you may not need. That will just about do it for this episode of the On-Premise IT Podcast. Thank you very much to each and every one of our guests for joining us. You can find more great content just like this on our website if you go to gestaltit.com podcast. We have a lot of great discussions coming up this week about wireless and mobility during Mobility Field Day 8, taking place October 5th and 6th, 2022. For more information, head over to techfieldday.com and click on the link. We should be back with you in just a couple of weeks with another great episode. We look forward to debating another premise with you and hopefully to hearing from you soon.